We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to Pack-A-Day Podcast. It is Sunday, August 25th. I am Jason Perrone. Join with me, not as always, but as recently always, is Paul Brennell. Paul, how are you? I'm doing good, Jason. How about yourself? I'm doing great. All right, so we're three days removed from the preseason game, and a lot of our colleagues have spoken at length about the game, so... I think the approach we should take at this point now, instead of talking about the granular aspects of it, or maybe just some of the big picture, big picture items. You know, the the field was a big hot topic, and that was obviously a big issue. We, I think, we can both agree it was a debacle. Absolutely, um, the NFL could have handled could have handled it a lot better. But the game is over, and what it what happened happened. It's not so much the result of the game, uh, you know, the Packers winning or losing, but Speaking of winners and losers, why don't we start there, Paul? So winners and losers from the Oakland game, and I'll let you kind of kick it off. Who did you think came out of that game in better shape than before the game started? Well, I mean, the the biggest one and the most obvious one is Trevor Davis. Um, 
during the time that he had missed with the injury after getting hurt against Houston in that scrimmage. I think he was forgotten about a little bit with the emergence of Darius Shepard and Alan Lazard. And, you know, of course, Jay Kumro kept playing well, but he's put together a really nice um, offseason programs and start the training camp. Um, had a pretty outstanding performance on family night. And he really needed something like this just to get his name back into the mix and really couldn't ask for a better performance uh, in the first half. 101 all-purpose yards, did a little bit of everything. 17-yard punt return, 18 yards on the jet sweep, um, diving catch on the sideline, skying for the touchdown pass in the end zone. I mean, to me, he's a lock now at this point um, to make the team at the receiver position, and it was just impressive to see. A couple other names, Chandon Sullivan. um, He's put together a quietly good um, preseason so far. So in each of the games, he's totaled, let me see here, 13 tackles in the three games, three pass deflections, and one of those tackles was for a loss. Um, so he's just another name to keep your eye on. And then um, Tim Boyle's another player who stood out as well. That backup quarterback competition has been you know, pretty tight. Neither players stuck out too much, but Boyle definitely took the lead after his performance against the Raiders. Uh, 16 of 25, I believe, 191 yards, two touchdown passes. Started off a little slow with those, you know, passes that he should be hitting, but wasn't able to, but he rebounded quickly and put together a nice performance. So Tim Boyle, Chandon Sullivan, and Trevor Davis are my three winners. Yeah, we are once again sharing a brain here. I think, and I think from the the stats and from watching the game, those were the obvious guys that stood out. Trevor Davis really needed to. I mean, he he essentially needed the type of game that he had, and he showed up in a big big way. What was also cool about that, just to to ask something different about it, since we have basically the same list, it's the same three guys was what do you think of the jet sweep with Trevor Davis? Because that was something that was hardly ever utilized in the previous regime. And if that's something this offense is going to start to take advantage of and use that speed and the skills of these skill players, I think that could be a lot of fun, a nice little fun wrinkle for the offense this year. Yeah, I agree. And I've seen in a couple practices that I've attended, I've seen them run that a few times. And I just think, you know, as a whole, having this new coaching staff, the Matt LaFleur um, offensive scheme, it's just going to suit Trevor Davis a lot better. He's going to play to his, his strengths, his speed and agility, you know, using him on the jet sweeps, taking shots down the field. I think that we're going to see a lot more of Trevor Davis in this offense than we have in years past. And so in practice, was it, it was it mostly or exclusively Davis or was there anybody else that they were motioning around and using in that role? Um, when I was there, I just saw Davis in that role. But I'm, um, you know, before the injury, I think EQ could have been uh, an option as well as MVS. A couple quick guys. Yeah, and I and I hope it gets to the point to where, and it looks like from the sequencing that Lafleur showed in a couple of these last couple games, he will be able to disguise formations because you don't want Trevor Davis being out there to be an automatic tell to the defense. Hey, the jet sweep is coming. So. To see his success, Davis's success as a receiver. Now, again, he's going up against second and third teamers, and it's his fourth season in the NFL, so he should be burning past a lot of those guys. But I think I was encouraged there that you know he's he's going to be a a nice um, multiple type player that isn't gonna isn't going to be easy for defenses to just to just line up and defend. Um, I guess is is the point there. So. Yeah, he looked good. Trevor Davis looked good. You know, the special teams pieces 
is always going to be important. You've got a steady hand back there and somebody who, you know, he didn't have a lot of flashy returns. But I think the special teams for the Packers has been very, very subpar over the last couple seasons. And so I'm expecting at least more disciplined play this year, which hopefully means less lost yardage, maybe some additional return yardage. Um, and then, of course, I know we'll talk about Darius Shepard, and, and you've just got a, a great couple of options there on the uh, in the punt return game, the kick return. Yeah, for sure. And I just wanted to mention this about Trevor Davis. I know last year he was unhealthy, and you know sometimes he makes questionable returns when he's back there um, fielding punts. But in 2017, he was third in the NFL in average punt return yardage and seventh overall in kick return. So um, he has proven that he can give them kind of that explosiveness back there. Yeah, there's no no question about the speed. And he's got the experience now and knows, you know, some of the nuances of the NFL game. But if the league is moving in any type of direction similar to Thursday night's game where they had to amend the kickoff and and eliminate it, we may not have to have to be talking about that too much. So that that could become an interesting thing to keep an eye on with with what the league does and and how they tinker with that, because we know that's what the NFL likes to do now. For the last couple of years, they've made some some tinkers and some changes. So, so those guys really did, did kind of uh, stand out. Um, Shannon Sullivan with three pass breakups, not bad. Even though you're playing against guys that aren't going to likely be in the league, you still make, you know, when, when a play is there to be made, I don't care if it's a gimme or not, you have to make it. And he did. And so I think the cornerback group is looking pretty deep. Um, so as far as losers from, from the Oakland, the Oakland game, um, I'll start out by saying I think the NFL fans, because the NFL really kind of slapped in the face, you know, hey, we're going to do what we do and you're going to deal with it. And, and of course, here we are still talking about the game and we're pining for preseason week four and Packers football week one. You know, they know that the demand is there. And so I don't know if the NFL just feels emboldened that any decision that they make, whether good or bad, is is going to be fine because we'll still shell out our money for their product. But I just, you know, I, I, I know it's been talked about ad nauseum now because we're three days removed from it, but I I just really was, I, I don't know how I continue to be disappointed by the NFL, but they somehow managed to to, uh, to trump what they'd done before with this whole field situation. And, and I don't know how much of it was the venue versus the league, but, you know, the league keeping the game going, knowing that they're, they weren't going to play starters. I mean, all those starters dressed and hardly any of them played. You can't tell me that that wasn't related to the field, you know? Oh, I a hundred percent think it was. And like you said, it's just, it's just disappointing. I mean, last year when um, the chiefs and I can't remember who, but they were going to play in Mexico and then that game didn't end up working out because of the field. They know so far in advance that this shouldn't be an issue at all. And it's the NFL. I mean, it's the highest level of football that there is. Um, we shouldn't be running into anything like this. And I'm already not a big fan of the preseason if they eliminated it completely and just, you know, practice for the month of August, had some scrimmage, you know, some controlled scrimmages like the Packers did with the Texans. Um, I'd be perfectly fine with it. And I'm glad that the floor sat just about all the starters. Um, I guess we'll never know of the injuries that we saw how much of it was related to the field, but a lot of them were lower bodies. So I definitely think that it played a big factor in that. Well, I think it would be wise, you know, Mark on, on Saturday's show, yesterday's show, Mark Eckel 
said he's almost positive that they won't be playing four preseason games next season, which would be a big decision. But, you know, just my thought is, is dump at least one preseason game and bring back the inner squad scrimmage because you can control it. You can get into a game situation. You can control it and say, look, we're, we're not going to, we're not going to take guys to the ground. You, you can get in a game situation and you can tell guys, look, we're live. Go play. I need to see, evaluate you. But you can have a little bit more control over it, and so you still get those reps. I know it's not against other other players, and you don't have some of the scheming. And but nobody schemes anything in the preseason anyway. So you know, I mean, and you as a local, I'm sure would love to see family night return to what it used to be, which was an actual team scrimmage. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I I love that idea, and like Aaron Rodgers said, he accomplishes more in practice. Um, I haven't had a chance to go rewatch the the last preseason game, but I heard that through the first two, uh, the Packers didn't even use motion on any of the plays, and that plays a very important part in Lafleur's offense. Right. So, what's he really gaining as far as you know? Yes, it's live, but as far as running the system in a live game, he's not going to be running any of that against the Bears. Um, I'm, I was adamant about him not playing, and what I said was. Whether he plays one quarter or not against the Raiders is not going to determine whether they win or lose in Chicago. It's not going to be the reason they won or lost. Unless, of course, he did play and got injured. Then they're going to lose. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> to put it simply. Uh, but I would be perfectly fine with that. I'm all for practices. And like you said, the controlled scrimmages get the live action going. But um, don't have to take anyone to the ground. We know Rodgers is going to be in his red jersey and safe. Yeah, and I'm not laughing at Aaron Rodgers getting hurt. That's more of like laughter through potential tears just thinking about that whole thinking about that whole aspect because I'm not sure the Packers are going to win that week one game with Aaron Rodgers. So, uh, so as far as the actual players and, and losers from the from the game, you know, I mean, there were a couple of guys that struggled, but obviously, Equinemia St. Brown and Curtis Bolton both suffered injuries that looked pretty bad. Uh, EQ's injury, we know now, um, it was feared to be pretty bad. We know now that it's being being reported as a high ankle sprain, which is not great news. Those tend to take a lot longer to, to recover from. So, I mean, now there's been a lot of talk about what to do with the roster. And I've said several times before and many years in the past, injuries are going to decide the depth chart and the roster at the end of the preseason. And the unfortunate thing is, is that we're getting down to the, the end here. And all of a sudden you get this wrench thrown in there because EQ is definitely a guy that there was going to play a part in this offense. And and he's going to miss time, and he's going to miss several uh, regular season games now. So, you know, we don't have to get too far into the wide receiver position with it, but this obviously affects that because now, you know, guys like Darius Shepard, who may have potentially been on the bubble, I'm convinced he was going to make this roster anyway, but Darius Shepard I would have to think is a lock now. And then you could even look at Alan Lazard and, and talk about him. I mean, I don't, I don't know that they go seven deep. Um, they are going to have to carry EQ on the roster, and then if they if they want to in, uh, put him on IR and have him come back, he's going to have to start the season on the roster. So you won't see any moves made uh, this week unless they change their mind or unless it's worse than we thought. Because if he does go on injured reserve before the end of the preseason, he cannot come back, and that means EQ's season is over with. Uh, any quick thoughts on the wide receiver position now with EQ being out? Um, I 100% agree with you. I think that 
you know, I was always from our last episodes, you know, I'm a big Darius Shepard fan. Um, but I think with the EQ injury that puts him on the roster to start the season, and it was going to be a difficult decision because I do still think they're going to, I've always thought they were going to keep six receivers. Uh, but now with EQ, you can look at the IR designation. I know they said four to six weeks, but like you said, those ankle injuries or foot injuries, they always just seem to linger. So put them on the IR, designate them to come back. It'll give them a few extra weeks, but it'll also give, you know, the uh, the floor and Gutekunst a good chance to see a number of players play out the regular season and then make a roster decision at that point rather than trying to force it right now and maybe have to get rid of, you know, Darius Shepard, Al Mazard, or however that would work out. Yeah, and you're talking about a guy who's probably fourth or fifth on the depth chart. And the reality is when you get into the regular season, you throw the tight ends in there and as much work as the running backs are going to get in the passing game. I don't know. I don't know how many snaps EQ is losing each week. So I would say to your point, be conservative, get him fully healthy, let him come back. And then you get some fresh legs for the back half of the season. And that can be a huge benefit because he played some meaningful snaps last year. And it's not like he doesn't know what the NFL game is all about. I, I think that could end up. I think they could end up being okay just simply because of the depth that they have there. So the other was inside linebacker Curtis Bolton. Bolton kind of emerged and has, has taken over the conversation. And uh, with Oren Burks being down, he really gave us a, uh, a sense of calm at the inside linebacker spot next to Blake Martinez. He's just played so well. He gets hurt. Uh, the prognosis on him hasn't really come out. I'm not sure what the what the timeline is there and what they might do if they like him enough. He could be a guy that they just decide, hey, listen, we're going to IR you, give you a season to just you know, mentor and observe and just keep him protected You know, because I'm convinced that even though he's hurt, somebody could take a flyer on him. He could be that type of guy, which would be disappointing, but if you're looking down the road, you've got a guy here who, who factors in as you're getting ready to have to, to determine what you're going to do with Blake Martinez. So how do you see the Curtis Bolton injury impacting the inside linebacker spot i think it's a huge loss if he's out any sort of extended amount of time because after the ravens game with the practices that he had put together the performance we saw there you know i was expecting him to be starting along martinez come week one you know he's shown that you know he's a rookie so he's still a little bit raw but he's shown that he could be that three down linebacker that that is looking for and that they're hoping that warren burks turns into you know he can blitz um, you know, for being undersized, he, he's good in the run game. He just has a knack for finding finding his way into the backfield. Um, he's shown he can play in coverage as well. So I think this is a pretty – this is a significant loss and probably one of the bigger ones of the preseason up to this point. Um, but it's going to be difficult to replace him because, you know, we look at the other inside linebackers. Ty Summers had a nice game against Houston, but those tackling issues that he had in college are still pretty prevalent. Um not the best in coverage. And then James Crawford, nice special team player, but I just don't know that you can rely on him on, uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. Then there's been talk about how to mitigate that loss. And, and I've seen me, heard Mason Foster's name thrown around. I've seen Kiko Alonzo's name thrown around guys that are either cut or likely to get cut. Uh, I don't know that bringing a veteran in is, is what the team will do. Brian Gutekunst is a completely different guy than Ted Thompson. He's taken a different approach. He's used free agency, so I wouldn't be as surprised to see them go after a known guy. But I do think they all, that he does still come from the Thompson tree, and he still has that mentality of developing depth and getting after younger guys. So 
I think the reality is, is if they bring somebody in and they're going to have to probably do that, it's, it could be somebody that we haven't heard of, or it could be somebody who's kind of under the radar that a team lets go of that was on their roster bubble. You know, I mean, this could be another team's Curtis Bolton that they, that they bring in, but where do you, where do you see, I mean, do you think they need to bring somebody in? Do you think there's a guy that's on the roster who can fill in? And if they do, do you think they're more likely to go the route of a young guy who's unproven that they can develop, or do you think it's going to be a known entity? I think it's going to be a younger player that they would bring in, and more so for depth. Um, If Bolton and Burks are, you know, we don't know their timelines for their injuries, but they're going to be out an extended amount of time. They just need more bodies at inside linebacker. But I don't don't expect it to be a Mason Foster or Kiko Alonso. Um, I look at their safety position, and, with Penn, they run a lot of nickel and dime defenses where we're going to see safeties down in that hybrid inside linebacker role. So Raven Green has been really impressive this camp. Um, you know, I would put more faith in him just based on what we've seen. He knows the system um, than picking someone up off the streets. Josh Jones, you know, <laughs> that's kind of a curious situation, the fact that he hasn't played yet. Um, but who knows, maybe this injury to Bolton is enough to make them want to keep, want to keep him around. And then another uh, pickup that they just had recently was Ibrahim Campbell. Um, he had a brief stint with Green Bay last year, but I was very impressed by him. He's a sure tackler. He played about a third of his snaps last year with Green Bay in the box. So he has played, you know, in that similar role. So I would expect the Packers to look more at one of those three or a combination of those three to fill that role. Yeah, I like them sticking with who they have if they can. They got those guys for a reason, and they've been in with the team and practicing. They have at least a leg up. With a short window of time now, I mean, we're less than two weeks away from the regular season starting, so it's it's not like getting a guy in and getting him up to speed is a given if you bring somebody else in. And I think you have another point, too. The safeties could end up being the solution there. So, you know, we'll, with the safety linebacker hybrid role, that'll be fun to watch uh, because there's going to be a lot of things we're going to learn about this new coaching staff and what they're really going to do. They've been showing all these vanilla looks during the preseason. We're going to see what is really going to happen in a short period of time. And that could be a part of it too, is, is, Hey, we're fine without some of these guys right now because we can fill in with these other versatile positions and how, how mixable that they are. So that kind of parlays into the surprises, disappointments of the preseason. Now that we've played three games and you kind of know what's what. So as far as surprises, um, Darius Shepard is my first, and he's not a surprise at this point, but coming into training camp, not a lot of people knew about him, and I think everyone thought that the wide receiver position was going to come down to the knowns. Darius Shepard is going to be on this team, so I had him as as one for sure because of his versatile skill set. He's catching the ball. He's making great plays. He knows the offense, and he's got that special teams ability, so clearly he's, he's a good weapon to have. Um, and I know we probably agree on Shepard. We've talked about him a little bit already. But the others that I had, I had Curtis Bolton as another. You know, mm-hmm. unfortunately, he's, his surprise is is going to be um, going to be delayed for a little bit as he recovers from this injury. But Elton Jenkins, you know, he's a second rounder. You expect him to contribute and play well. But he's looked good in practice, and it's actually translated over to the game. He struggled at a couple of moments, but. I, I think it's a good problem that they have that Elton Jenkins is forcing this staff to realize or to consider that he might be starting by the end of this season. And that's that's why I had him on that list. Did you have, have anybody else to add? 
Yep, I'm going to look at the defensive side at the cornerback position. Uh, Tony Brown and Kadar Holman. Um, Kadar Holman drafted in the sixth round. I think so far out of the draft picks, he's been the, the biggest, most pleasant surprise, at least to me. Um, he stood out in OTAs right away. Very good. He's been praised from Pett with his press man coverage, which is an important part of Pett's defense. Um, you know, he had an interception his first game against the Texans, and with, you know, Kevin King injured, who knows how long that's going to linger, if it'll come back. Josh Jackson um, has been injured as well. I, I could see Holland playing some snaps this season in the secondary. And then Tony Brown, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers raved about him and said that he was the, you know, he's the first guy in, last guy out. And he's not just saying that. He's literally the first guy in and the last guy out. He's put in the work, and it's really, really showing on the field. And if he has to line up across from Jair as our number two um, cornerback on the outside, I feel perfectly confident with him. And he showed he had shown a lot last year, but I didn't expect this kind of jump from him. Yeah, he's looked great, and I say the same thing. You know, the biggest, the only concern I have is can he keep his emotions in check? Mm-hmm. You know, that's one thing that he struggled with a bit last year, but he's got that pedigree, and he's also got that swagger. You know, Aaron Rodgers joked that it's nice when you complete a pass against Tony Brown because he finally shuts up for a bit because he's he's constantly out there talking. So he's almost kind of like the Gary Payton of the cornerbacks for the Packers right now. If any of you remember Gary Payton from the NBA, that guy was constantly jabbering on the court. Um, So as far as disappointments go, I've got Josh Jones listed, and it's more the situation than Josh Jones himself. He hasn't played. So I I don't know if the team has decided, look, we're going to either trade him or cut him, or if he surprises all of us and ends up on this roster. But not having seen him out there and playing in games – has just been disappointing to me. And then I had Rashawn Gary listed only because I still don't know what he is. You know, selfishly, I want, I wish I had more to see and I could see more of a sample size, but he's adjusting and learning a new position in the NFL. I don't think he's going to play a ton of snaps early in the season. So I'm not worried about it. So when I say disappointed, I don't think he's underachieving. I think he'll be fine. I just wish I knew more about him. Those were my guys. Who did you have? Um, the two that stick out to me in particular, one is Jamon Moore. Um, you know, prior to the offseason programs, I was one of those people that I expected him to make that year two jump um, in the new offense. And if it came down to him and Kumro, if, if it was close, I was expecting uh, Moore to beat out Kumro. Obviously, I've been way wrong on that one. Um, but the drops that he had last year are still persisting. The first game against Houston in the preseason he had the touchdown catch he had another catch or two but even the catches that he made were bobbled and then over the last two games he's been targeted one time you know as kaiser and boyle are in the middle of a quarterback battle for that second job they don't want to throw his way because they they don't trust him and that says everything and it just with Shepard, lazard kumro davis all playing how they are just feels like the writing's on the wall for him at this point as a fourth rounder Prior to his full second season in the league, it's disappointing just to see him not make that jump. Oh, I fully, um, I fully think Jamon's. Uh, I don't think he's on this roster. If he makes this team, then I don't know anything about anything. He, it just seems so, so. I mean, especially with you know, even with the EQ injury, with the you've got Shepard and you've got Alan Lazard, and you've got to bring the right guys on. So it's not like just because those guys are good. You know, if you have too many receivers that are the same guy. You're not going to give your offense what it needs, but I still think even with EQ going down, I still think Jamon is probably going to be 
looking for some other options. I don't know if he's got practice squad eligibility or not, or if they would even want to do that. Uh, you know, he had the unfortunate car accident last week. Now he did practice afterwards. So fortunately he avoided injury there, but just some, some tough situations for him. And he's just, he's just really struggled um, over these past couple of weeks. I've mentioned before, he says the right things. So you know that he understands he's taking accountability, but yeah, that one's that one's disappointing, mostly because of where he was drafted, and it's tough to cut bait on a fourth rounder after after just one year. Absolutely, it's almost as if it's like a mental block at this point, or something. You know, balls just hit him in the hands, and it's just never, you know, not never, but rarely a clean catch from what we've seen. Um, the other player that I have is Deshaun Kaiser. I just keep waiting for him to make that step forward, and I know it's his, you know third offense in three years or fourth offense in four years. Um, can't remember how long he's been in the league. But at some point, you just have to make the throws. And so far, he's 17 of 30 for 196 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. He has those moments where he makes those throws and you just go, wow. And you see what you know Gudekin saw when he made the trade. But then he follows it up with his head scratchers and you just yeah. wonder what happened. And the consistency is not there. He looks indecisive in the pocket against the Raiders. There were a couple sacks that shouldn't even happen. Should have seen the blitz coming, got the ball out of his hands. So it's just been disappointing. He hasn't made that jump. It just doesn't look like he doesn't look like he has the confidence that he needs to really be a quarterback too. And I think he's behind Boyle at this point. Yeah. Tim Boyle's performance in this game really, I think, solidified his spot as the headset and proverbial clipboard holder for Aaron Rodgers this season. <laughs> I don't see them keeping three quarterbacks at this point. There's no reason to if, if no Kaiser has played the way that he has. So that kind of segues into bubble players. So you've got guys who are on the bubble going into this last preseason game. Deshaun Kaiser is, one, is number one on my list. I mean, I don't know what he would have to do against the Chiefs this week to – jump Boyle again I think Kaiser's looking at a, at a at a tough road I mean the Packers may may if only because of what they gave up or what they feel like they gave up have to continue to extend his opportunity into the regular season but you're taking a roster spot away from someone else if you do I mentioned Alan Lazard and I think Lazard is just over the line of guys that are are gonna stick and I think he's a perfect candidate for the practice squad. If if nobody else snags him, and he's able to stay, um, then I think uh, I think he would be a perfect candidate for that. They just, you know, he's he's probably the victim of a very crowded and, and quality wide receiver group this year, which is a good issue for the Packers to have. So Lazard was another one for me. We talked about Chandon Sullivan. I think Sullivan has made his case already. Um, he, the only thing that could happen is he could go backwards if something happens. And then of course, obviously we don't want to see anybody get injured. Um, some say Sam Fick and the kicker. I don't think they're not going to go with Crosby. I think Mason Crosby is the kicker this year. Uh, it, it just seems like they've, they've been looking at Fick and they've given him a strong look and maybe they wanted to see if a team would trade if, you know, if someone got desperate and got rid of their kicker and they were willing to give up some assets for Mason, you know, but unfortunately, you know, with our luck, it would have been the Vikings or the Bears. Now the Vikings have that multi-kicker, and 
so they seem to have fixed that issue for themselves. But I don't think that's I don't think I think it's Crosby's job. And then my last one is uh, Cole Madison, the offensive lineman. They've got a good group of linemen this this year. You still have Brian Bulaga there, so you've got Billy Turner who can fill in at right guard. Jenkins and Lane Taylor seems to be a battle. So Cole Madison struggled a little bit. He had a couple holding calls, I think, on consecutive drives uh, against the Raiders, which wasn't great. Anybody else that you have that's on that bubble going into this last game to keep an eye on? Um, no, that was a lot of my list. I guess the one player I would add is Natrell Jamerson. Uh, at this point, I think he's on the outside looking in. It would take a pretty strong week of practice in a game against the Chiefs. But we've seen flashes here and there, but still is a bit raw. Uh, struggles with tackling. We've seen a number of missed tackles from him. Um, so that's the one player I'd add to that list. Yeah, I mean, this, this week, I don't... I don't see any starters playing. I mean, I don't, I don't know who they would suit up that's going to play in week one in this game. And even though it's at the safe, on the safe turf and confines of Lambeau Field, uh, it's still football and guys can still get hurt. So I don't imagine that we're going to see a lot of, uh, of the, the starters that we haven't really talked much about. I think it's going to be mostly young guys this week. Go, uh, going into that final game and auditioning for their spots. You know, we've seen some in the past, we've seen some young guys jump up and make a case in this game, but those will be the guys to look at and keep an eye on for, for this last preseason game. And, and before we, it just, it's just amazing to me that this, this week one game is almost here. It just always seems like the regular season is so far away. And now all of a sudden here we are, where we just, you know, before we started, we, you know, we're every other Sunday, and realizing that this is the last time that we're going to go before we have actual regular season Packers football to talk about. Absolutely, and I'm excited for it. Like I said, I'm not a fan of the preseason. I hate all the injuries that can happen, so I'm ready for week one to get here. Plus, plus the Bear fans have been pretty loud, so I'm looking forward to the game. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Um, anybody else as far as roster goes? or I mean, offensively, we know we're not going to see anything schematically it's about evaluating the young players, so you're going to see a lot of, uh, you know, I I don't know if they give Boyle the start, if he plays a lot of snaps, if he's going to play, you know, more in this game because they think he's the backup or less to save him. Do they do they take another long look at Manny Wilkins, uh, which would be cool for me personally because I actually am going to be in attendance at this game. And I am also an ASU alum, so it would be cool. And I, I never got to a game – that Manny's played in because I was in the twin cities for two seasons and, and uh, wasn't able to go to a game last year. So it'd be cool for me to see Manny, Manny Wilkins. I had to go all the way to green Bay, Wisconsin to see Arizona state's Manny Wilkins playing a game. But um, you know, are you expecting any other surprises in week four? No, I wouldn't say any big surprises. One matchup or position battle that I guess to, that'll keep be keeping my eyes on is Dexter Williams and Trey Carson at running back. Williams says he's, He's an explosive player, has those flashes, but he had a really rough week against Baltimore, followed it up with a rough week of practice. I know the floor kicked him out of a drill, one of the drills because he was just so frustrated with his performance. And then against Oakland, he only had two and a half yards per carry, one reception for five yards, where Carson had his best game of the preseason. And I believe it was Friday in the Fleur's interview, he said that as of now, Carson is ahead of Dexter on the depth chart and it's one of those decisions that when it comes cut time you know we know there's Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, Danny Vitale so that's three running backs essentially 
Um, they're going to keep one of them four. Could they keep both for five as a roster spot? That's something to see. But as far as talent goes, Dexter Williams is more talented. But as far as consistency and doing the little things correctly, I think we've seen more of that from Trey Carson. And when you're looking at your third down, your third running back on the roster, what's more valuable at that point? So I think that's going to be a tough decision for him and something just to keep your eyes on in the final game. Yeah, absolutely. Dexter Williams has been intriguing. He's run really well at times, and then he struggled too. But you expect that for a guy that was picked in the later rounds, young guy, right. first season in the NFL. You're learning really quickly, too, as Matt LaFleur said after the first preseason game. Like You cannot dance around back there. You've got to be decisive and really – Patience as a running back isn't standing there or you know juking and, and you know footwork. It's about waiting for that that crease and being mm-hmm. comfortable with a crease that's barely big enough for you to fit through and go. So the running back position is is another battle to keep an eye on, uh, especially because we haven't seen a lot of those guys. We haven't seen Aaron Jones or Jamal Williams all all preseason. They right. got held out of the Oakland game, and I think that was a smart move. So. Now that we're heading into, you know, we've got a preseason game this week, but you've got week one against the Bears. So the team largely is what it is. Um, I guess it's, it's hard to predict or say, you know, what, what is, what's actually going to happen. The first week of the season is always tough to say, especially with a new regime, new coaching staff. And now they're going to really open up the playbook and we're going to see everything happen and develop. Aaron Rodgers is going to be running it. Are you worried about Russ with Rodgers week one? He hasn't played in any preseason games. Uh, any any thoughts there about the fact that he hasn't played? Uh, I think he's going to be fine overall. You know, he may start out a little bit slow, but I think we had this conversation in the NFL. It's not about how you start. It's about how you finish. So, sure, he might start a little bit slower, but I'm not concerned about it. Yeah, I'm not either. I think that I think the team's going to look a little shaky and rusty anyway, and that's that's what has happened the last several seasons. You know, I mean, they they just don't have a, the same amount of practice time. They they've saved starters, and so those first two or three weeks of the season tend to kind of be warm ups. Now, unfortunately for the Packers, they've got two divisional games out of the gate, and then they're playing a tough, sneaky, tough Denver team in week three, and they really can't afford to look too bad in those those games if they're going to but to your point if they do they've got 13 other games in 14 weeks to make it up so i think i think they'll be fine and if a, if a guy who is a top the you know top 3 to 5 quarterbacks in the NFL list every year and going into his 15th 16th season can't show up and be ready to play then something is obviously wrong so you know it's it's exciting we're almost there. We're less than, like I said, we're less than two weeks away from actual football, but just hoping for no injuries in this fourth preseason game and get out of there with, with your health. And then, you know, this weekend, next, uh, or next weekend, this time next weekend, I should say, um, is going to be an interesting time because this is, that's going to be when the cutdowns happen and they're going to be adding guys to their roster, cutting guys. There's always a couple surprises. So should be a fun week. Should be a fun week, and we'll have a lot to talk about the next time we reconvene. So I think that'll pretty much do it for our topic list this week. Any final thoughts, Paul, before we head into uh, the team comes back to Lambeau to face the Chiefs? Um, no, I think we hit on everything. But big thing, like you said, please, please, please stay healthy. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt. All right, awesome. It's been another good round. We will be back in two weeks' time to talk about the Packers and Bears game result. Hopefully we have a victory to break down and talk about. Paul, it's been a blast. And thanks as always, everybody, for listening to the Pack-A-Day podcast.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.